So Mark, uh, many of you may know Mark. Mark uh, used to worship at three counties up until about five years ago, uh, where he uh, is now worshipping at St. Luke's, and he'll uh, give a little bit more of that story himself. You might also, for those of you that don't know him, uh, think he looks very similar to someone. Well, he is Keith, Keith Potter's uh, son. So we had a nice Potter wor- uh, worship team this morning as well with Alison. So uh, if we can just welcome... Welcome Mark up. And so Father, we thank you for Mark and we thank you for uh, the words that you've given him, the story that he carries himself. And we just pray for your word and your spirit to move through him this morning. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Great. Well, thank you for having me. It's really great to be here. And uh, I will fill in the gaps. I didn't storm out of three counties five years ago and think... I've had enough. Uh, There was a reason for me leaving, uh, other than anything negative. In fact, I felt called, uh, profoundly called to ordination training in the Church of England, and I wrote to Jonathan and said, I feel called to this, and I'm going to actually leave uh, and uh, pursue a Church of England church, and I went to a a few just to sort of test the water, but actually we felt very much at home at St. Luke's in Greyshop, so we're down in Greyshop, been there for five years and uh, I've been, I started ordination training about almost two years ago now, and I'm almost finished. Um, training at St. Melitus in London, that's a mixed mode training, so I'm placed at St. Luke's, and I have study days, and I have uh, college days as well, and plenty of college residentials. So I, my, my life has been sort of turned upside down a little bit over the last uh, couple of years in terms of uh, not having the, the sort of normal job that I, I used to have. I used to be a deputy head teacher and, uh, and also many other things have happened in these, these two years. So it's been a really interesting journey. And one of the things that has struck me uh, has been the difficulty of making the decision to go into uh, ordination training and making the decision to go down, go down the route of going into the priesthood. And in Ecclesiastes 3, one of the verses, it says, there is a time to plant and a time to pull up plants. And this really is a time for planting in terms of future ministry. Uh, But it does feel like a lot of plants have been messed with and pulled up in the process as well. As soon as I started the process of ordination training... Uh, we got the news, and, and I would say this under the, under the banner, that God is absolutely faithful and trustworthy. And in fact, in all of these things, the, the real resounding message through uh, this process has been that God is faithful and God, is, God can be trusted. And uh, I know that many people go through exceedingly difficult uh, life circumstances, and I'm not standing up here today pretending that I've been through really disastrous life circumstances, but they've been testing circumstances. Uh, as I started ordination training, just before we got the, the news that Charlotte, my wife, had picked up a virus, a very um, normal average virus that she didn't even realise she had, and uh, she was pregnant at the time with our son Samuel, and in utero Samuel had contracted that. And uh, and the, the, what we were dealing with was a situation of thinking, actually, this could be uh, quite disastrous. We were told to expect a child with cerebral palsy, potentially, uh, at the minimum, kind of maybe death or blind child. And, uh, and so it sort of rocked us. We had these, lots of trips up to St. George's, 
as we had in utero, in, in the womb, MRI scans and lots of different things. And, and the first uh, question that was asked to us by the consultant was, you're not too late for an abortion if you'd like to go down that route. And it, it was bizarre. And I said, no, no, this isn't, we're not doing that. That's not an option. And he said it again, not believing that we'd actually just dismissed it out of hand. And uh, no, he said, no, we, we are going through to term with this pregnancy. And God was phenomenal, is phenomenal. And uh, the virus that was evident uh, in, the, in, Samuel's immune, in Samuel's liver and bowel completely cleared up. And when he was born, praise God, he's absolutely fine. So, yeah, hallelujah. Um, and then through this time of training, I've had little health issues um, and biopsies here and there and uh, you know prayer from different people and what was evident to consultants as being something quite worrying was then dis- declared as being something absolutely innocuous and nothing so we just in all of these little uh, bits and um, troughs and peaks of this process of uh, outside of the actual learning um, there's been lots of kind of these things going on and, and God's hand has been on it and I, I felt uh, just before I come to the main main section of this, um, I had a, a heart scan four, three years ago, and uh, was three years ago now, yeah, just over three years ago, and the heart scan came back abnormal, and there are heart issues uh, in our in our family line through my mum, and so I was a little bit worried about that three years ago. Went for a, a heart scan recently and was prayed for by my spiritual director before I went. And it was a, one of the quickest echocardiograms you could ever think of. Uh, if anybody's ever been for an echocardiogram, it, you sort of know, you get a sense of how they're feeling when they're doing it. And this was a sort of five to ten minute job. And I said, what, is that it? And, uh, and she said, yeah, yeah. And I said, is there anything wrong? She said, no, no, it's a completely normal shaped heart. Whereas three years ago, it wasn't a normal shaped heart. So we just praised God. And as I left in the hay swing in Guildford, as I left the hay swing, uh, the, God said to me very clearly, are you going to trust me now, Mark? And it was, it was just that sense of, you know, that, that sense of, I, I really have a, a decision of trust in a sense. I believe, but do we, do we always trust? And so, uh, so that was a, an amazing testimony. So there have been some really uh, anxious times, uh, but God's hand has been very much on this process. And I just want to turn now, this is going to sound like a bit of a a bizarre segue, but I felt that one of the sermons that God's laid on my heart recently is actually Jesus casting out legion. And I thought we'd turn to that, and I'll try and not still be going by two o'clock this afternoon, I promise. Actually, I'm not going to promise. Uh, But uh, I felt that that was something that we could really um, allow God to speak to us through. And... um, it's interesting that Jesus has crossed over the Lake of Galilee, he goes to the, the area of the, the Gerasenes, and uh, then he finds this man who's had many demons that have seized him. And the Bible tells us that this man had many demons that seized him. He was naked, he lived in tombs, he was bound by shackles and yet was strong enough to break free of the shackles because of his demonic influence. And many times it had seized him and he was kept under guard and bound, um, but he would often break the bonds and, driven, and be driven by the demons into the wilds. This man was an outcast. He was almost certainly had bloody and bro- broken skin 
and was bruised by demonic seizures. And he was living amongst the dead, which is a sign of being spiritually destitute and unclean. And as a man of great strength, who had no reason to fear any man, um, he could do almost what he wanted, in a sense. And yet, when this seemingly ordinary carpenter from Nazareth turns up, the whole situation changes. There is deliverance. There are both positive and negative reactions, and there is an instruction from Jesus to the liberated man. When Jesus turns up into our life situations, nothing stays the same. And one of the reasons why this miracle is so important is it can speak to us on a num- to a number of different situations. And one of the things that, certainly for me, I crave often, and I think probably for most people they crave, is control. And there's an example of control going on in this particular uh, text. But it's interesting that there's only one person that has authority in this situation where Jesus goes to this man who's uh, possessed by this demon. Jesus holds the authority. Jesus asks, Legion, what is your name? And he says, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. It's interesting that there is a negotiation from this group of demons that possess this man for control. They're asking Jesus, please don't send us into the abyss. There is a desire of control, but the genuine authority in this situation is held very clearly by Jesus. And as we go through this, the genuine authority, the banner of authority under which your lives are held, is the banner of authority of Jesus, not control. And it's interesting that when the man is delivered, there is another group grasping for control. It says in verse 37 in Luke's Gospel, uh, Luke 8:37. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. It's interesting, isn't it, that when God reveals his might and authority, it can be unsettling to the point that we almost want things to return to how they were before. We're uncomfortable with the Spirit of God being at work sometimes and we back off and go, oh, well, is this rocking my life? Is this affecting my comfortable lifestyle? What's God doing here? Personal testimony. I prayed for Charlotte. Charlotte, my wife, uh, we started dating before she was a Christian and I was praying out for hours and hours um, for her to become to come and know the Lord and sharing the gospel with her and we had some fantastic conversations and then we went to Soul Survivor in 2009 Soul Survivor Momentum it was the sort of older sort of student Soul Survivor and suddenly as Mike Pilavacci was speaking Charlotte shot up bolt upright and stormed to the front and gave her life to the Lord and it was a weird reaction I had it was a really weird reaction because I thought I'd be rejoicing. I thought, yes, Charlotte's become a Christian. This is amazing. And I have to be completely honest here. My reaction was one of slight fear. And my reaction was, oh, wow. 
I'm no longer the most important person in her life. I'm no longer the most important person in her life. So I was sort of rejoicing, but kind of, wow, that's upset the status quo. My control has now actually gone. Somebody once said, the difference between me and God is that God never thinks that he's me. And uh, I, there is that unsettling feeling of, hang on, I run things. I control things. No, actually, we stand under the banner of the authority of Jesus. Sometimes we just need to let go and let God. And some of us might find this easy, and for some it's more difficult. How dare God have a different path for our life and a different plan for us? How dare he inconvenience us with the reality of who he is? And in contrast here, there is absolutely no power struggle from Jesus. Jesus commands the demons to leave the man, and they leave at once. Jesus does not command the demons to go into the pigs. He gives permission for them to do this. We sort of think, oh, Jesus sends the demons into the pigs. No, he doesn't do that. In the text, he actually gives them permission to go into the pigs. Again, emphasising the security of the authority of Jesus. And just as an important side point, Jesus does not get fraught with anxiety or het up. He doesn't negotiate with the demons. He simply delivers the man. And it draws attention to this contrast of control versus the authority of Christ. Control is about effort and force. Jesus' authority does not need to aspire to another position of greatness. Control is about an aspiration to grasp at a position that you don't rightly own. Authority is ingrained with the very identity and being of who Jesus is. Control is concerned with self-serving. In his authority, Jesus is completely free to serve and benefit and bless others. So how do we apply this? Know whose authority that we stand in today. Know that Jesus holds the authority over your life and that your security is in him. You know, one of the reasons in the Old Testament why that Moses gets, uh, God gets angry with Moses was not because of Moses' lack of self-confidence. It was because of Moses' lack of God-confidence. Moses seemed to be lacking self-confidence and fixating on his weaknesses, but really, when push comes to shove, he was actually having a lack of confidence in who God was and what God had called him to do. Know who holds the authority over our lives. Do we know this or are we still wondering whether God's word for us still stands? And just as a a side point here about evangelism, it's interesting, in Matthew 28, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. And... We say, well, all authority has been given. The the therefore is is absolutely crucial. As a result, all authority is given to Jesus. As a result, go and make disciples. In other words, we don't control the outcome. That's God's business. We follow the the command, but we don't control the outcome. And if we try and engineer people into Christianity... We're really proselytising and we're really indoctrinating, whereas we want to introduce them to who Jesus is. (coughs) Craig Rochelle at the Leadership Conference 
recently said this, you can have control or you can have growth, you can't have both. So whatever ministry, and everybody here, I can assure you, is involved in ministry, whatever ministry we are involved in, trust God for the growth under the banner of his authority. And perhaps we're wondering whether when God said that he so loved the world that he gave his only son, does that really include me? Do we believe that his grace is sufficient for you? There are times when we can face a situation like the one in this passage, but usually in the day-to-day, the enemy's lies are more subtle. And we think, well, maybe we're not under the banner of God's love and authority. Maybe I haven't done enough for God to love me. I don't have enough faith that Jesus really loves me. Is Jesus really enough? And yet Paul contextualises his writing when writing on spiritual warfare. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. And actually it's a status that we come under uh, the banner of protection of God's power. So are we strong on our own? No, we're strong in the strength of his mighty power. Jesus is our ally in all of life's battles. So if we know that Jesus has authority and power over all, then it's a complete game changer. So we can proclaim calmly the lordship of Jesus over any situation that we face. As the psalmist writes, he is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And we're coming to land with this. One of the key aspects of this detailed account is the fact that Jesus steps into the messy, the loveless, the bedraggled and the ugly situation and out of love builds his kingdom and rescues the seemingly hopeless. And because with the authority of Christ comes the love of Christ. This isn't any old authority. This is actually authority which is undergirded by absolute love. We don't know the demon-possessed man's backstory. We see how terrible things are, but we don't have any indication as to why things got, got to the stage that they did. But his history and our history is not a limitation on God's ability to deliver and rescue. Because God's rescue is not negotiated by us, not controlled by us. It is through the faithfulness of Jesus faithfulness to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's why if we know Jesus, we can't mess up our eternal destiny. Paul writes in Romans 8, In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord nor anything else in all creation includes me and includes you. You can't separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as I wrote this, I felt that this was a 
an edifying word for some of us here today. Maybe some are feeling run down. Maybe some are feeling at the end of your rope. And at Romans 6, I'm not going to do a whole exposition of Romans 6, don't worry. That would take a while. But the, the undergirding message of the first part of Romans 6 is Jesus is our response to God. Sometimes we, ha- we don't feel we can offer any response to God. And sometimes we feel we're completely, completely inadequate to offer any response to God. Your response to God has already been made by Jesus. Your human response to God was made at Calvary. So when you're going through the battles of life, going through dark depression, or going through uh, terrible issues of whatever nature, you can know that actually where we are inadequate, Jesus was perfect, is perfect, and his response to God is what holds you in the Father's hands. Like this situation with the many demons, there was another time in Jesus' life where he faced a multitude against him. And this was a detachment of Roman soldiers in Gethsemane. And this would have potentially, I don't know if you know anything about Roman history, but could be as many as 500 soldiers. This wasn't a small band. We sometimes see these notions of Gethsemane with this small band of people coming up and arresting Jesus. Probably a several hundred Roman soldiers. Essentially, several hundred uh, trained killers were coming to rescue Jesus. It says in John's Gospel, the group led by Judas Iscariot say that they're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replies, I am he. And when Jesus says this, the detachment and the others are flawed. I am. And it flaws the detachment. And I don't mean flummoxed or confused. I mean they were literally knocked off their feet and hit the ground. I am, of course, means Yahweh in Hebrew, the very name of God. The authority of Christ floors 500 Roman soldiers. But then Jesus, who had had this authority, does something amazing. And he lays it aside. And as Paul writes in in the Philippians, um, letter to the Philippians, He says he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He laid aside his majesty and authority so that we can be delivered into the security of that authority. And so there is total assurance of forgiveness, future hope, life-changing freedom so that we can walk under this shield of his authority and love. So we can say... In the words of John Wesley, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth and followed thee. Amen. testimony and what a powerful story to, to link that in with so we'll um, close in, in some more worship uh, so if I can invite Keith and the, the band back up um, but I'm really struck by a couple of things there that, that Mark said and the, the first thing that was just been playing around in my head, head <coughs> in my head is how many of us are flawed by God by just simply the very 
nature of who he is. I think so often it can be quite easy for us to pack this neat and tidy looking life that we live and go, okay, you know, God is who he is, but that majesty and the power and the the rawness of his very name being able to floor people. How many of us are floored by who God is? Uh, and then that coupled or, or, or went with the second bit was actually how many of us as well um, are still holding on to things, are still holding on to that, that control in our life. And I think it's quite easy for us to maybe give Sunday to God or to give particular moments to God, but how many of us have have given everything to him this morning. So as the band lead and worship, if either of those two things resonate with you, uh, I'll be up here uh, willing to pray with anyone. There might be people on your table that you could ask to pray as well, but we'd love just to pray for that, um, for a fresh sense of who God is this morning, for a fresh encounter with uh, the God of the universe, but also to pray with you if there are things that you really feel I need to let go of this or... I'm feeling, I'm still in control. I want to hand that over to God. So let's worship and, and pray. And it was amazing how God goes before and uh, prepares you. And this song, I think, fits in very well with what Mark has spoken about. And uh, we didn't collaborate on this. I've chosen these songs over a week ago. So, hallelujah. Uh, this is God in full control. Let's all stand.
while we're just uh, on that bridge there actually uh, there's something about declaring hallelujah over a situation because it's declaring the authority of God over so Keith I don't know whether um, we could just sing sing that actually just uh, maybe once, once or twice more but while we do that why don't we draw to mind maybe some of those situations maybe it is those situations where we're still in control and we're going okay actually God hallelujah you reign over that instead it might be something bigger than that it might be something in our in our country it might be in the politics it might be over friends it might be over family that don't know God or people that don't know him and we go okay hallelujah God you reign we're going to release the control we're going to release the striving and we're going to say God you reign so why don't we sing that over those situations why don't we declare that it's a prophetic statement where we're declaring that um, the kingdom of God over that situation
God you reign. We thank you, Father, that you are King, that you are Lord, you are Sovereign, you are Creator, and at the same time, you are close. You are Father, you are intimate, and you are with us. So, Father, in the rest of our day, the rest of our weeks, we just declare the majesty, the bigness of who you are, yet we rest in the closeness of who you are too. Father, would we know that you hear our every thought, our every prayer, our every worry. Father, would we see you reigning high above it all. This we pray in your Son's name. Amen.